0: Join me in John chapter 4. That'll be our passage of Scripture this morning. As I mentioned earlier, it's great to be with you on this special Mother's Day. And moms, I hope you know uh, that we love you and appreciate you and want to partner with you in raising up your children uh, to be disciples of Jesus. I also want to say um, for those of you that maybe Mother's Day is complicated because Um, you desire to be a mother and you're not, or the relationship with your mother or your children is not what you wish or hope. Know that we love you and we're so glad that you're here today, and we hope that today's gathering is an encouragement to you. Before we jump into the message, let me just remind you, don't uh, forget to make use of your bulletin that we provide every week and the email that we send out every week so you can stay on track with us uh, for opportunities to grow and serve and fellowship together. Uh, this past week, we had a great time uh, at our family movie night on Friday evening. And many of you were incredibly generous uh, with the amount of snacks that you bought uh, to support kids headed uh, to camp. And maybe you realized, man, these are pretty cheap in comparison to the movie theater. And you said, this is opportunity to stock up. Uh, I don't know, but uh, thank you, you had a good time. is an enjoyable evening uh, together. And camp is just around the corner. So we've got those, those dates uh, listed there for you in the bulletin. If you're not sending a kid, be praying uh, for camp uh, this upcoming summer. And it's hard to believe summer is just around the corner. And so we're looking for, for opportunities to, to fellowship and serve together uh, this summer. Um, Mother's Day. It's a day that has a lot of significance, but also a lot of pressure, right? kids husbands like hope we're doing our best today right and we're going to see photos later and we're going to try to get like perfect photos of mom and the kids and i can remember this this mother's day years ago where we're trying to get a picture of nicole with both of the kids and they were still pretty young and there was one of them was crying in in one of them and this one haven was crying and this one lincoln was crying and that one nicole was crying you know it was just somebody was crying in, in every photo. But you're probably going to post some photos today for Mother's Day. I love seeing all those family photos, and we're going to try to help you get a good family photo if you haven't gotten one in the lobby, grab that on your way out today. And something that's pretty common to see in those posts is something along the lines of, my heart is full. Mom's saying, my heart is full. And I love that, and I would love it even more if it were true. Because in reality... While this is a day where we're excited and we're full of emotion, um, I have a little issue with the, my heart is so full posts. Um, Because what scripture tells us is that our hearts are broken and unable to be filled. Now, I'm not going to get on social media this afternoon and comment, not true on all these posts, right? That, That would not be a good way to win friends and influence people. But we know from scripture, that there are really, there are two reasons at least why our hearts aren't full. And the first is that our hearts want what is unattainable and impossible to achieve. Hearts aren't like stomachs, right? Like you can fill your stomach for 10 bucks in 10 minutes at McDonald's, right? Maybe 15 bucks in 15 minutes with inflation and staff shortages, but it it's possible to eat your stomach full. Right? Maybe that's what I could comment on all those. You mean your stomach is full? That, that, that's what I could say. Um, our hearts want something more than a Big Mac. And some of you are like, well, that's exactly what my heart wants. Um, we want things that are are not easy to grasp. And even if we were able to grasp them, even if we were able to find the perfect spouse, land the perfect job, get the dream house, even if you're able to have the perfect number of children who are perfect in every way, that happiness quickly and easily fades. That full heart feeling doesn't last because our hearts leak. And our hearts leak because they're broken. So our, our hearts aren't full because they want items and achievements that are very difficult to achieve. And even when filled, our hearts leak. Because our hearts are broken, they're impossible to fill, and they constantly leap. And our passage of Scripture looks at a woman who has experienced this. She has tried to find fulfillment. She has tried to fill her heart. She has had five husbands and is currently with man number six. And the Bible doesn't give us background on these guys. It might be that some of them or all of them were were men who loved her and, and wanted to give her what it was that she needed, wanted to provide for her and give her meaning and support and compassion. And some of them might have taken her leaving them to go to the next guy as a referendum on them, that they're not able to provide what she needs, that there must be something wrong with them but really it's just a representation of the fact that our hearts are broken. Our hearts are impossible to fill and constantly leak. So let's look at this passage of scripture together in John chapter four, and let's start reading in verse nine. Jesus has been traveling and he makes his way through Samaria, which is a sermon all in of itself. And his disciples go into the town to buy food, and Jesus waits there at the well. And while he's waiting at the well, this woman of Samaria comes by herself. And Jesus asks her to give him a drink. In verse 9, Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. She's thrown off by Jesus' request. She's surprised because this was not culturally appropriate. It was taboo. For him to speak to her, a Jew to a Samaritan, for him to speak to her, a him to a her, with no one else around, it was taboo. It was unexpected. It throws her. And Fred, you might be here this morning because it's Mother's Day and your mom invited you to come and you felt like you ought to because it's Mother's Day, right? You're here because it's a special day and you're not expecting God to speak to you because you're not a Jesus person. You're not a religious person. But I want you to know that Jesus throughout his life constantly caught people off guard by speaking to them when they least expected it. And it might be that you're here today not expecting to hear from God, but He is speaking to you. So she's thrown. Verse 10, Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked Him, and He would have given you living water. The woman is confused again because now He's saying, I could give you water, living water. So verse 11, the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as to his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. Whoever Whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him, a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Now she's interested. She says to him, Sir, give me this water that I might not thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered, I, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband, for you've had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that, you spoke truly. And in this moment, she is called out for her sin. And so she recognizes, okay, there's something spiritually powerful about this guy. She says he must be a prophet. And then she changes the subject to a religious controversy that has arisen between the Samaritans and the Jews. But Jesus points it right back to her. He says to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who's called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you, am me. I am the Christ. I am the Messiah. When this woman comes to meet Jesus, she's at a point in her life where she has exhausted all other opportunities to find meaning and fulfillment in this life. She's gone from lover to lover, husband to husband, husband to fling. And she has not found fulfillment or meaning in any of those relationships. And friends, listen to me. It's Mother's Day. It's a day that we celebrate the relationship between children and mothers and parents. We celebrate the relationship between husbands and wives husbands and the mothers to their children. And it's a day that we rightfully celebrate relationships and relationships can be so meaningful. I mean, just yesterday we had, we had a great Saturday. You know, sometimes your life is so busy that you never have like a day where it's the family and you're hanging out. But we had one of those days yesterday. It was just a good day. Went to a soccer game, mowed the grass together um, and we, we, played baseball outside, then we played a board game. It was a great day together, a day where you're like, man, I'm so blessed, so blessed. But even when the relationships are their best, they cannot fulfill the need in our hearts. Think about those five guys that they weren't the right one for her. Imagine them getting together one day for coffee and talking about it, right? That That's a support group, right? We were all married to the same crazy person. Um, and one of them could probably say something like, I, I gave her everything she wanted. I gave her a house. I bought her that new pottery. I even made a huge family table that she wanted. There was no satisfying her, right? Which very rarely do husbands ever say anything like that. But Perhaps one of them could say something along those lines. You see, you can't fill or fix a broken heart with another broken heart. We think, well, if I can just find the right one, if I can find the right person, if, if I could have a family, if I could have a child, if my child would just this, if my child would just that, if my child would just get out of the house, if my child would just call me once in a while, right? If my child would just do well in school, if my child would just, listen, there's always something that we're saying if they would just, if I could just, if I just had. Relationships are powerful and they're meaningful, but they will never fill the void in our hearts because you can't fix or fill a broken heart with another broken I heard a pastor once say, what what usually happens is that someone with a broken heart goes to someone else with a broken heart, this this cracked, sinful heart. And they, they pour themselves out into this other person. And all of that love and support and everything they poured into him, it just, it fills their heart for a while, but then it eventually seeps out. And then you've got two people who are empty. And this person recognizes the first, that they could never give me what I need. And this person is saying, I've poured out everything for you. And it still isn't enough. Some of us are angry with people right now because we poured out everything for them and it wasn't enough. Or we're angry with them because we feel like they haven't done what they should have done to fill our broken hearts, our needs. Some of you are angry with your mother or your child or your spouse or your friend because they didn't give you what you needed. But in reality, it's not in their power to do so. Some of you are angry with your mother or your child or your spouse or your friend because you have poured out everything to them and it wasn't enough for them and it never will be because it's not in their power, they're not capable of holding on to that love and that joy. You see, we often expect our family, our friends, our pastors, our churches to do for us what only God can do for us. This morning, I want you to hear me. God wants his job back. God wants his job back. Stop relying on other people for what only God can provide. Stop looking in other places for what only God can provide. And listen, when we make something or someone out to be God, or look to them to give us what only God can provide, we ruin the relationship and we put so much pressure on that item, on that person, that it can never stand up to it. That person can never be God. They can't do it. No matter how much they love you, no matter how much they give, they can't do the role, they can't do the job that only God can do. So stop expecting other people to do for you the job that only God can do. When we put that pressure on others, when we put that pressure on relationships, they crumble. They're not up to it. And this woman that Jesus is speaking to, she has tried to fill her heart with relationship after relationship, and now she's more lonely than ever before. She's at the well in the middle of the day. And I know that for you and me, that means nothing, right? Because when I want to drink of water, I don't even go to the sink. I go to the refrigerator, and on the front of the refrigerator is this mechanism that not only gives me water that has been... Sent to my house through a whole circuit and network of pipes. That's not good enough. The water on the tap, that's gross. Okay? I then need to filter it again and make it cold. Right? That's how I get my water. Right? So when I want to drink of water, I don't go, what time is it? Is it a good time of day to get water? Where's the sun at? I don't think of any of those things, and neither do you. But for people in this day and age, they went and they got water when it was cool. Because they were going to get a lot of water, and it was going to be heavy, and they would carry it in the cool part of the day. And because this was routine and ritualistic for a lot of villages, typically the women of the village, they would do this together in the morning and the evening, or the morning or the evening, and it would be this time that they all walked up to the well together and they would draw the water and they would walk home. I've shared this once before years ago, but back in 2010, there was an article in The Nation about when America was trying to win over the hearts and minds of people in Afghanistan. We were going in and we were building wells. And there was this one village where we would build a well... And then weeks later, it would be destroyed. And so the Americans would come back in, and they would rebuild it. And a few weeks later, it would be destroyed. And nobody in the village seemed to know who was doing this. And they didn't figure out what was going on until they brought some female soldiers along with them. And the female soldiers were able to talk to the women, and they found out the women were destroying it. Because the time of day when they got to go out to the well was the only time they got to get away from their husbands and socialize. And having the well in the middle of their village made it impossible to get away from their husbands and have some time to themselves. So they were destroying the pump so that they could go out to the well outside the village and have that social time. In places where there isn't running water in every household, this is a customary thing, a customary event, a ritual that takes place. And this is what would have been happening outside of the Samaritan village. But this woman has come alone in the middle of the day because her life is full of shame and regret. And she doesn't walk along with the other women who probably look down upon her and judge her. And she's been going and looking for love and meaning in all of these relationships, and it's led her to this place where she is more alone than ever. She's an outcast. And here, Jesus reorients his journey and his day to intersect with her path, this path where she's trying to avoid and she's trying to isolate herself. And Jesus meets her and talks to her And calls her. And Jesus says, if you recognized who was sitting in front of you, you would ask me to give you of the living water that I have. See, this woman has been searching for something to fill her heart and nothing could satisfy her. And then the thing that she most desperately needs in the world is sitting right in front of her and she's about to miss it. This chapter is all about missing something right in front of you. How many of you have ever been searching for something? And it was right there the whole time. Right. And it, it, it is invisible and it only becomes visible when your spouse comes over to look as well. Right. Like their presence magically makes it appear. And they're like, it's right in front of you. And you, you I swear it was not there five seconds ago. The thing that she has been looking for, she's been longing for, what her heart is desperate for is right in front of her. In 1987, George Johnson wrote, a scientist had found a brilliantly bright star. It was the equivalent of 10,000 stars. Its size was the same as the orbit of the Earth. So think about the journey that the Earth makes around the sun. This star is that big. And you would think, man, if there's a star that's bright, it would be just so bright in the sky, but we can't see it from Earth because we are separated from it by this veil of cosmic dust. And it's only visible through infrared telescopes. You know what I think happens in our world is that Jesus, who is the bright and beautiful thing that we have been looking for, we miss him because of all of the junk that blocks our view. All of the junk that keeps us from seeing what we most desperately are searching for. What is on display in John chapter four is God's grace. And John is showing us in multiple different settings with all types of different people throughout his gospel, that Jesus pushes through all of the junk, that he pushes through all of the tradition, that he pushes through all of the expectations of the culture to meet with people and to show him his love and his heart so that they can see what it is that they have been searching for their whole life. Jesus talked with this woman and tells her, if you realized who it is that's in front of you. he said man, Pastor Dan, that's, that's, that's amazing. I'm so glad that Jesus is like that. Well, hold on. Because when Jesus pushes through, he doesn't just push through and say, everything's amazing. Everything is wonderful. No, he pushes through and he says, here's what's broken. Because Jesus pushes through and he says, go get your husband. And he knows her situation. He calls her out. I like what I heard Matt Chandler once say. Jesus stays in his lane, but all the lanes are his. Jesus can call this out because he's the king of the universe. Right? Somebody else starts talking to you about some private area of your life, you say, who do you think you are? Stay out of my business. That's that's none of your business. You don't get to say that to Jesus because it's all his business. Who does he think he is? He thinks he is the son of God. He thinks he is the Messiah. He knows he is the king of the universe. And the reason that God has the right to call out your sin, the reason he has the right to put his finger upon the brokenness in your life is because he is God and he has all authority to do so. But he doesn't put his finger upon the brokenness in our hearts to highlight that brokenness or to make it worse or to shame us or to cause us suffering. He does so to heal it. And friend, if this morning you feel like God is calling you out, Know that it isn't like God's calling you out in a courtroom. It's like God calling you out in the waiting room of a hospital. And it's finally your turn to go back and have the surgery that you desperately need. To have what is broken you made right. For your broken heart to finally be filled. It is grace when God lays his hand upon the brokenness in us. So what does she do? She shifts to some church drama. She says, Jesus, what do you think? Sir, I I recognize that you're a prophet, so what do you think about our, our ancestors and the places that they worship, right? She tries to avoid what it is that Jesus is talking to her. And listen, what Satan would love to do in this moment, this very moment, in this worship gathering, in this day where God is calling out to you and he's trying to fix what is broken in you, Satan would love to bring some distraction into your heart and life. To bring up some imperfection in me, the messenger, or our church, or the person that you're here with today and say, well, I would, but they're all hypocrites. Friend, we're not the hero of the story Jesus is. She's talking about Jacob's well. This is a well that was dug generations ago. It's been passed down. These were people that they celebrated. They were their patriarchs. They're people that they would would, would would speak of, like you and I speak of the founding fathers, right? These heroes who caused our nation to exist. You know what is true about all of these patriarchs of the faith like Jacob is they were imperfect, They made a lot of mistakes. Same could be said about our founding fathers, right? Made a lot of mistakes. I'm not asking you to fall in love with some imperfect person. We've already covered the fact that you can't fix a broken heart with another broken heart. I'm asking you to see Jesus. See him. Jesus says, forget all that stuff. Forget about places and times of worship. Forget about if the Samaritans are right and where they practice their worship or the Jews are right and where they practice their worship. He says, forget all of that because there's coming a day where God's people, all of them of all nations will worship the son of God in spirit and in truth. And she says, well, I know the Messiah is coming one day. He says, I'm him. I'm here. The wait is over. There's no need for any more of this debate. I am here. Friend, however you have been attempting to fill your heart and whatever lies you have believed and whatever distractions have led you astray, the thing that you must hear, the truth that you must grab a hold of is Jesus is here and he longs to mend and fill your heart in a way that no relationship, even the most special and meaningful of relationships, can fill. Jesus has walked into your life this morning and said, I can give you a drink of the living water so that you will never thirst again. You will never thirst again. Friend, don't go back to those wells. Jesus longs to give you living water. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. My hope is that God has worked in your heart this morning and you've recognized your need for Him. And I pray that nothing distracts you from the fact that Jesus is calling out to you. And we want to give you an opportunity to accept that invitation today. We want you to be able to call upon the Lord. You can do that there at your seat or you can come to this altar where we can pray with you, lead you, step Step. Some of you here, you're a believer and you're just reminded this morning of what Jesus has done to mend your heart and to fill your life with goodness. And you just want to give him praise. I invite you to do that as well. Father, work in our hearts, mend them and fill them with your love. God, help us to not be distracted, to not go looking for joy and meaning and hope in this world, but to find it only in you. We pray these things in your name. If you would remain in the spirit of prayer as the team leads us, as God is speaking to you, if you'd like to respond, this altar is open. We'd be happy to pray.